0: The following message is brought to you by Berean Bible Church and may be used and distributed free of charge. For more free audio, video, and text resources, be sure to visit www.bereanbiblechurch.org.
1: Thank you. Good morning, Bereans. Good morning. Appreciate you being here this morning. Those watching, glad you joined us. Um, last week we talked a little bit about tradition and how... You know some tradition is very unbiblical and doesn't need to be followed, but you know there's traditions that are good, and a tradition around here has become that this Sunday, the last Sunday of the year, is a time when I always spend trying to encourage you to read your Bible for the next year uh, to read through the Bible once a year every year, and this is our Sunday to do that, and this is an important subject, so what I'm, we're going to do something a little bit different this week, and I brought in some backup, and so uh, not only am I going to encourage you, but David's going to encourage you, and then Jeff's going to encourage you. So we're all going to try to encourage you to spend time in the Word of God. Now, if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, you know that his circumstances in life were not often that good, okay? He was beaten with rods, whipped, shipwrecked, but... He was always at peace. He was always content. How could he have such bad circumstances and have such a good attitude? Well, I think the answer is found in what he says in Philippians 1.21. He says, for me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Paul says that life for him is Christ. He lived only to serve Christ, commune with Christ, love Christ. He had no concept of life apart from Christ. He was the reason for his living. To Paul, Christ was life. Paul lived this out practically because he knew it was true positionally. Look what he says in Colossians 3-4. When the Christ, our life, may be manifest, then also we with Him shall be manifest in glory. Paul says to believers that Christ is our life. He's the source of our life. Now, of course... We know this is true of physical life, but he's talking here about spiritual life. He's talking about everlasting life. And because this is true, Christ should be the goal of our life, the purpose and fulfillment of our life. Is this something that you would say about yourself? Or maybe we could ask it this way. What would the people who know you best say is your life? if we ask someone who knows you well to fill in the blank, what would they put? Put your name in here. For so-and-so to live is what? Now there's some people you think about this you think, well, they're definitely living for money. That seems to be their life is consumed with money. Uh, and maybe it's knowledge. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's they're all just all about work. I know a lot of people <clears throat> that you could put sports in there. That's their God. That's what they worship. That's all they talk about. That's all they do, you know, and you could put a lot of different things in there. But would those who know you the best say that your life is Christ? It's all about Christ. When we can come to the point in our lives that we can say, Christ is my life, then we'll be able to say, life is good, no matter what's happening. Believer, please remember this each time that you are unsatisfied with life. You're unsatisfied because something other than Christ is the focus of your life. Because Christ is not going to disappoint us. Paul teaches in chapter 1 of Colossians who Christ is. He tells us He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. By Him were all things made and all things are sustained by Him. He's the head of the body, the church. And just as He's the firstborn over all creation, so also He's the firstborn from the dead. Therefore, Christ is supreme over everything. And In chapters 1 and 2, Paul also sets forth what Christ has done. He tells us He has reconciled them, us, to the Father through His death. So that they might be presented pure and blameless to Him, He has spiritually circumcised and baptized them, granting them new life and forgiveness of sins. He's blotted out the old covenant law that was against them. He's utterly defeated all the enemies which held them captive. Death, sin, the devil, all defeated foes. Now once he teaches them who Christ is and what Christ has done, and once he has taught them that as believers they share all that Christ is and done, he then tells them that they are no longer to live the way they used to live. The imperatives of the Christian life The command to seek those things which are above, for instance, they're rooted in the new reality of who they are in Christ. See, union with Christ is at the heart and soul of Paul's Gospel. You can find it in every letter he writes. Since you have been united with Christ, he says, live like that. Or to put it simply, be who you are in Christ. Now the first four verses of Colossians 3 are... A hinge passage. They summarize the first two chapters of the letter, which concern doctrine, the truths of the Christian faith. And then they launch us into the second two chapters of the letter, which concern ethics, how to live the Christian life. Let's look at verse one. He says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, the word if here is a first class condition in the Greek, it assumes reality. Can translate this sense. Since you were, you have been raised with Christ. He's telling them that God has already raised them in Christ. It's an assumed fact. If it is something, it is something that is already done. Now there's no doubt in the if here. It is a since. Paul says they have been raised with Christ, and the Greek word he used here for raise is sunigeru. The verb actually means to be co-resurrected. We must understand that the soon prefix of the word sunigeru shows an exact likeness to the nature of Christ. or shows not an exact likeness to the nature of Christ, but an association with Christ's nature. See, the believer is co-buried co-raised, co-quickened, co-seated in heaven. In Christ is the reality. The believer is associated with that reality in Christ. We are spiritually entered into Christ's death. We've entered into His resurrection at the moment of our salvation. It's an accomplished fact. See, that's how God sees us in Christ. God's viewpoint is positional truth. He views us as already dead, already buried, and already raised with Christ. And He expects us to see ourselves in that same light through the eyes of faith. This has nothing to do with our feelings. All right, You can't taste, feel, smell positional truth. Our position in Christ is infallible, it's unalterable, it's eternal, and it's exalted. God said it, and by faith we're to believe it. Now since we have been raised with Christ, we are commanded to seek the things that are above. Literally, this could be translated, keep seeking the things above. Now, in order to obey this command, we need to understand two things. What are the things above and what does it mean to seek them? Well, what are the things above? The Greek word translated above here is ano. It's used seven times in the New Testament. And if you go through and look at the other uses, you see that the things above are spiritual things as opposed to natural things, physical things. We're to be seeking... Spiritual things. Our focus is not to be on the physical, but on the spiritual. So now that we understand things above, our spiritual things, as opposed to physical or fleshly, we need to ask, what does it mean to seek them? Well, the word seek here is an imperative. It's a command. This is the Greek word zeteo. And it's used in the present tense, which indicates continuous action. He's saying, keep on seeking the things above. We see the same word used in Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The word seek here is also the Greek word zeteo. It means to seek, to desire to worship. It expresses a hungering, a desiring, a seeking, a going after. And it's a matter of hungering. It's a a worshiping spirit. It's to seek with a desire to worship, we could say. So we're to seek with a desire to worship the things which are above. We're to be hungering. We're to be desiring the things above. Now, there's a very real sense, of course, where we have to be concerned somewhat with the physical because we live in the physical. But the problem with being on earth is that too often those things just consume us. We're consumed with the physical things. We're consumed with the earthly things. They take place in the center of our lives so that we give more time to their construction than we do the advancement of the kingdom of God. So the believer is being exhorted here to leave behind the concerns he has over earthly matters and fix his attention solely on the matters which are heavenly. So let me ask you this. Can we keep seeking the things above if we're not spending time in the Word of God? How else would we seek things above? Where else would we go to find spiritual things? You say, well, you go to church. Well, sometimes you wouldn't find any spiritual things there, okay? (laughs) Uh, You know, so this is why reading the Bible is so important. You can't count on somebody else to read it for you. You have to read it. You know, people come and, and ask me oftentimes, well, how do I need to study? What should I study? And I say, first thing you need to do is read. Get familiar with the Bible. Just read it again and again and again. Just keep reading it. Since the things above are spiritual as opposed to natural, how can we seek spiritual things apart from the Word of God? Where else do we find spiritual things other than the Word of God? Now just to make sure we don't miss this, notice the next verse. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Set your minds as froneo. It could simply translate this. Think. Think about. Once again, it's a present tense. It indicates continuous action. Be continually setting your mind on things that are above. Can we set our mind on things above if we're not spending time in the Word of God? What would lift them above if we're not spending time in the Word? Have you ever noticed how earthly-minded we can be? I mean, most of the time, our attention is centered on things that are around us. And that shouldn't be surprising. After all, we're earth dwellers. We're physical beings in a physical world. It's natural to think about our jobs and our possessions and our finances and our health. People that are important to us. We live in a dimension of time and space and we need to function in a natural world by the physical principles that define it. But as Christians... We're called to be continually seeking spiritual things. We can only live properly in the physical when we're focusing our mind on things that are above. When we're setting our minds on things that are spiritual. This is one of of the fundamental problems with the current condition of Christianity. Even though we have been placed into a spiritual realm, we still see through natural eyes most of the time. And we are either not taught or we don't discover on our own how to see into the spiritual realm and understand the power of God. That's why the Bible is so important. So many Christians live their entire lives with never understanding who they are in Christ, what the provision is that Christ has made for them. Obviously, the spiritual thoughts that are to fill the believer's mind must come from the Scripture. There's no other substitute. There really isn't. And it's not books about the Scripture. It's the Scripture. That's where it has to start. I think commentaries and other things are helpful, but first of all, we've got to spend time in the Bible because the Bible is the only reliable source of knowledge about God and His character and His values. In the Bible, the mind of God is revealed. We have what we need to live the Christian life. We have it in writing, and we have the Holy Spirit to help us understand it. And listen to this. I'm going to share with you a secret this morning that I've discovered. It's an amazing secret. You ready? People who keep their priorities in order keep their lives in order. You know, people who have happy marriages are happily married because their marriage is a priority. That's why it's important to them. They make it a priority and they make it work. People who are in good physical health are that way because they've made health a priority. It didn't just happen. They made it that way. They made it a priority. If you keep your priorities in order, you can keep your life in order. Paul says, set your mind on things above. This is only going to happen as we spend time with Yahweh. I think as believers, which I say constantly, that we should at least be reading through our Bible once a year. That's kind of minimum. You know how that's a 15 minute time commitment a day. You got 24 hours, most of us, okay? If you can't find 15 minutes to spend with God, something is wrong with your priorities. Okay? There's just something wrong. Because again, the only way we're going to learn about him, the only way we're going to know him, the only way we're going to understand him or walk with him in fellowship is to be in the Word of God. And we have it. We have copies all over the place. Computer, on the phone, on, you know, there's just not an excuse. And, you know, to help us do this, we put reading schedules on our website. So I want to go there now. If I can make this work. There we go. Let's go to full screen, Garrett. I guess if you're not there yet. Here's our website. Wonderful, isn't it? Appreciate that, Jeff. <laughs> by the way, there's a banner up here for uh, the date of the Bible conference. We've got the date set, so check it out. All right, if you um, go here to studies, click on studies. brings you to the study index where all, you know, all the books are and all the studies. Study by year, study by book. But the first link on here, it says through the Bible in a year. You click on that and it downloads the Bible reading plan. Alright, now I personally like this plan. This is what I use. I've used a lot of different plans. I like this because I'm spending a little bit of time, you know, in the Tanakh here. But then we get some Psalms every day and we get a little Proverbs every day and we get some New Testament every day. I've done the plan where you're just reading through the Tanakh for nine months and it's like, man, I'm just, I need some New Testament stuff. I need some, you know, I need something else. And so that's why I really like this plan. And like I said, for your average reader, this is 15 minutes a day. And all the, you know, you just go through and, you know, print this out and mark it. Or I actually have this on my phone. So when I read, I can actually mark it on my phone. This is what I read. I always know where I'm at, and, you know, you can jump in there. But it's, it's helpful to have the accountability and to have a plan. You know, I found that if you don't have a plan, that's what you usually do, nothing, okay? Because you don't have a plan. It's just like, you know, or some people use the open window method. You know, you set your Bible by the window, and wherever it blows open, oh, I'll read this today, you know? Well, if it keeps blowing open to the same thing, you're not getting too far. And I know a lot of people who start the plan every year. And they sometimes make it through Genesis, you know, and they quit. Okay, so if you start the next year, start with Exodus. <laughs> okay, so maybe you'll have a 66-year plan, okay, and you'll make it through. But listen, you know, just work it. Like I said, you know, we just we need each other's encouragement to do this. So one of the things I really suggest if you want to do this, get someone to hold you accountable for your reading. To just ask you, you know, how are reading? Are you keeping up with your reading? Are you doing your reading? You know, we need that accountability. Well, let me show you um, an online source that I like. It's called um, eSword. It's a free download. It has a ton of references on it. These up here, all these are Bibles. Different translations. Now, some of these I had to buy. Um, but a lot of them are free. And so you can compare translations. You can go in here at the parallel and you put different translations side by side and read them and just see what the differences are. Or you can do what's actually called compare and it's got all the translations I have. That verse is marked out and I can read down through and see what's different about each one of them. Um, Been using the ESV um, like that over here on this side. You can make as many windows here. You can make several different windows. This window over here, I have commentaries. And so that's synced with this side. So whatever I'm looking here, you got a commentary. These are all commentaries up here. Like I said, a lot of these are free. So it's a a good resource. They also have dictionaries here. um, So you can look up the Greek. Now, so if you go to... uh, This is the New American Standard. I also have the King James here, plus, which has the the Greek and Hebrew words in it, or the New American Standard. And it just helps if you want to do some searching on a Greek word. For example, let's go to... uh, one of my favorite Calvinistic verses. Let's say you're an Arminian, and you get sick of me always saying, you know, talking about Calvinism. And I said over and over that John six forty four is ungetoverable. Okay, you just can't get past this because you know it's just so clear in in what it says. Um, so the word draws there. Uh, so if you click on that, it gives you the option here to search it. You can search the entire Bible which, this is Greek, so it's not going to do you any good to search the Old Testament, okay? You can search the Old Testament, the New Testament, or you can just look in the, the book you're in, John. So let's look at the New Testament, and it's going to bring up eight different verses, okay, that use that word. And so you, just, you can click on them and it'll bring it up over here. Um, let's go to ESV here. ESV here is translated drag. Now the ESV translates... This Greek word, the Greek word, let me go back to the dictionaries, and that tells us that the Greek word there is helkuo, and it says here, helkuo means to drag, literally or figuratively, so you got that idea, that's the picture of helkuo, it means to drag, alright, so. And that's how it's translated here in the ESV. It's drag. The ESV translates Helkuo three different ways. So does the New American. It translates it at draw. Um, it translates it as haul. Like they're pulling net and it calls it haul. Or it's translated drag. Now, Young's translates all of them as draw. It's consistent. Um, I recently downloaded this Bible. Uh, It's called the Modern Literal Version. And they say, I'm going to read here from them, it says, their purpose is to translate the original language word for word into English, then to further boost the accuracy of the MLV to translate the same Greek word into as few different English words as possible. In other words, we want to keep consistent. So if we translate helkua one way here, we want to translate it throughout. Now, you don't always translate the same Greek words the same way, because some of them like English words, have different meaning. They also say, we believe the translators should translate the Greek into English as literal as possible, and should not commentate, indoctrinate, follow man-made tradition, that is, insert the translator's opinion into the verse. I agree with that. That's, you know That's what you don't want to do. But look at what they do. That's what they say. Well, look at what they do, okay? All right, they translate this here uh, drag, right? Let let me go back to to drag here. Quick search, let's look it up. All right, so the one there that's translated drag. Look at how they do the next one in Acts 21. They're dragging him. Same thing. Let's look at Acts 16. Again, they dragged him. Dragged them into court. John 21, 11. They dragged them again. They dragged the net to land. Um, John 18. Dragged it out. And he's talking about the sword. Peter dragged the sword out. That's not, we'd never say that. Well, he dragged it. He pulled it. But you get the idea. You dragged it. In other words, it's to draw by irresistible superiority. So they translate six of these as drag. In other words, Whenever it refers to a person drawing another person or a person drawing an object, it's always dragged. But when it came to God doing it, look what they say, attract. (laughs) And I'm like, we want to be as literal as possible. We want to use the same words. You think attracting and dragging are the same in your vocabulary? Why would you attract, like, drag everywhere, but you get here in in 644 and in 1232, because 1232 is about drawing all people again, attracting. Now, do you think there's a little bias, maybe, in this translation there? (laughs) Listen, this is why it's good to compare translations. And look up the Greek and get an idea with the Greek word. Is. Do a little, because, if you know, if this is the Bible you're using and only the Bible you're using. You read here and it says attracting, and you can, you can get around attracting. It's hard to get around dragging, okay? But, you know, that's just, a, like I said, this is a free resource. It, it's got uh, <coughs> so much that you can add to it. And they're always adding things, you know. So, and again, commentaries, um, go with this, you know, and if I be lifted up for the earth, and each one of these commentaries, you know, makes some comment on that. it just, it's helpful. We just have so many resources today that there's really no excuse, okay? That you want to look something up. And often what I find when I'm reading my Bible, I come across something and I'm like, what does that mean? And I have pretty much all this on my phone, so I can just look on my phone and there it is, you know. And it takes longer to read that way, I realize that. But you get more out of it, you know, and the purpose is not to just check off a box. The purpose is to get to know God. All right. So that's just want to encourage you to, you know, use the resources that are available. And there, there's so many today, but make it a commitment this coming year to spend time in the word of God. Now, I'm going to ask David to come up here and continue on exhorting you, um,
2: I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that up. <laughs> Gary said this is like a mini-conference, so on your way out, be sure to see him for your refund. But uh, I appreciate uh, Dave asking me to speak a little bit. Um, when he did ask us to speak about, you know, how Jeff and I, what we do for reading through the Bible and everything, you know, I, was, I was glad to do so. Um, so I thought about what it is I would say. And I concluded that there's nothing I can say that hasn't been said already. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have no, no profound uh, words of wisdom to give to you, no special insight. So I just figured I'd share with you my testimony and uh, what it is I do uh, through my yearly reading. Uh, I was saved on September 5th, uh, 1985, through the Iwana program at uh, Faith Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, uh, for those not familiar with the Wana uh, Clubs, it is a Boys and Girls Bible Club uh, that focuses on verse memorization. Uh, the clubbers would be separated into teams, and there would be uh, a game time where most of the games would focus on building teamwork and everything, and then uh, we'd go to our separate classrooms or whichever, and we'd work on memorizing verses and reciting them to our team leaders. And then at the end of the night, they'd always have a lesson where all the clubbers would come together, and, um, you know, they'd give us a lesson from the Bible. Well, this particular night, uh, my daddy happened to be uh, teaching the class, and like any good Baptist, you know, there's always an invitation given at the end of everything. Um, So the invitation was given, and, you know, I was compelled uh, to raise my hand, and I accepted Christ as my Savior, and I was dragged, yes. (laughs) kicking and screaming, (laughs) but I can, I can, I can remember after that, um, just this, uh, overwhelming feeling of unspeakable joy and excitement came over me. Um, I was running around telling all my friends and, you know, I can, I can still see the smile on my mama's face when I told her, you know, so, um, we attended church at that time out there and I also was going to school there. So, uh, A lot of my young life was spent out there on those grounds, and uh, from that time forward, you know, I've always studied the Bible. Um, I did a lot of reading from the Bible, but up until about 10 years ago, I had never actually read through the entire Bible. Uh, We all know that uh, every year, Dave encourages us to read through the Bible, and even throughout the year, he challenges us uh, to not take the things that he says... um, at his word, but to search the scriptures, uh, to know them for ourselves. And, you know, I agree there's, there's nothing like having a first-hand knowledge of the Bible for yourself. You know, that's that's just inviable in, in my opinion. So about 10 years ago, I took him up on that challenge, and you know, and I began to read my Bible. Uh, this coming year will be my 12th uh, time starting to read through the Bible. Now, don't say that to boast, but, um, I mean, I've been saved for... A little over thirty years now, and I'm just now on my twelfth time. So I just want to encourage each of you. If you're not reading through your Bible, it's never too late to start. And you know, each time you read through it, it seems like a new book. You know, it's it's a it's a living word. So, uh, so a question: Why read the Bible? Well, in Second Timothy chapter three, we read, "Writing, every writing is God breathed." Proudful for teaching, for conviction, for setting aright, for instruction that is in righteousness, in order that the man of God may be fitted for every good work having been completed. Paul writes to Timothy that the Bible is profitable in every area of our life. By our spending time reading the Bible, it teaches us, it convicts us when we are in error, it can be used for correction, and it instructs us how to live righteously. A verse we should all be familiar with, Acts 17:10, says, and the brothers immediately through the night sent forth both Paul and Silas to Berea, who having come went to the synagogue of the Jews, and these were more noble than the ones in Thessalonica; they received the word with all readiness of mind, every day examining the writings whether those things were so. Many indeed, therefore, from among them did believe, and of the honorable Greek women and men, not a few. During his time in Berea, Paul went to the synagogue there and proclaimed the good news of Christ to them. By examining the Bible and comparing it with Paul's teachings, we read that many of them believed. Likewise, we, by reading the Bible, we can know why we believe what we believe and can know the truths of the Bible, thereby enable us to discern sound doctrine from uh, false teachings. So how do I read through the Bible? Well, there are many good reading plans available to help us read through the Bible. The plan I use is actually the one that uh, Dave was showing us earlier. Um, But I've modified it slightly. I've turned it into a five-day reading plan. Um, And I understand the intent of a yearly Bible plan is so that we read through the Bible uh, every day that's perfectly fine if we do, but I would say that we should not be doing it just because we feel obligated to do so. Our goal regarding the periodicity in which we read the Bible is to find that we are reading it consistently. This is what I like about condensing the weekly reading plan into five days. It gives me an opportunity to catch up if I need to, because we all know that life happens. Um, If I'm able, I can read ahead. Or if I choose to, you know, just have the weekend off. But I'm still able to read through the Bible in a year by doing that. Uh, I would also encourage everyone to take advantage of the six month reading plan we have on our site at least one time. I've done it a couple different times. And um, it's really nice because everything is so fresh in your mind as you start to read through that second time. Now, when it comes to reading through the Bible, let us not do it just so we say we read through it in a year or six months. But may we do so because in reading the Bible, we come to know our God who has revealed himself through his word. People find that different things help with learning the Bible, whether it's verse memorization, taking notes, or some other method. For me, this has manifested itself in the form of a project I undertook a little over 10 years ago and have been working on diligently to this day. That project has been to make an updated, modern version of the Young's Literal Translation, which would simply be called the New Young's Literal Translation. Just a few of the updates have been to change Jehovah to Yahweh, English spellings to American spellings, and to change the use of the Elizabethan language, such as the use of thee, thou, and thine, to you, you, your, and yours, (laughs) making sure to mark each instance of the personal pronouns So readers will know which are the singular and plural. These are just some of the more prominent changes I've made, but there have been quite a few other changes as well. I think it is a great translation, and I hope that a more readable uh, Young's Literal Translation will be a more popular Young's Literal Translation. So as I said, this helps me keep focused on what I'm reading as I'm reading through the Bible. There are several, several times at any given time while I'm reading if something will catch my attention, and I want to investigate the meaning of a word or why Robert Young chose the word he did, where else this word may be used, or what other translations might say for that verse, or any number of other reasons. When these times come up, I turn to a website called BibleHub, used to be Biblos.com. I really like this website and offer several different translations, such as Young's Literal, the New American Standard, the ESV, the KJV, as well as some other uh, translations that are translated from the Septuagint. Uh, Bible Hub features topical Greek and Hebrew study tools, in addition to concordances, commentaries, dictionaries, encyclopedias, atlases, sermons, and devotionals, and it's multilingual. They even have a Facebook page where you can keep up with all of their latest updates to the site. As I said in the beginning, I do not have any profound words of wisdom to offer or any special insight that would cause anyone to go out and start reading their Bible every year. For me, it boils down to one word, priority. It is no secret that people make make time for the things that are important to them. If reading the Bible is a priority for you, you'll read it. If it's not, then you won't. So I just ask you to ask yourself, where does God find himself in your list of priorities? Psalm 119, starting in verse 9, says, With what does a young man purify his path? To observe according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Let me not err from your commands. In my heart I have hidden your saying, so that I sin not before you. Blessed are you, O Yahweh. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have recounted all the judgments of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I have joyed, as over all wealth. In your precepts I meditate and I behold attentively your paths. In your statutes I delight myself, I do not forget your word. May we find our attitude in reading the Bible reflects that of the Psalmist. And no matter what translation we choose to read, what study tools we use, whether we use a reading plan to aid us in our reading, or just decide to read it at our own pace. I encourage each of us to make the time to read consistently throughout the year with the intent to read through the whole of the Bible at least once this coming year. And I promise, no matter how often we read it, or even how many times we may read through it, our only re- regret will not be not having read the Bible more.
0: Amen. Thank you. Jeff? <laughs> People, if you have any questions, just text them in, and David will answer all your questions. I guess I need my notes. All right, I'm glad David did what he did just now because it makes me not feel so strange. I want to give a little background history of myself. Um, um, I've, I've essentially been raised in the church. Um, I don't recall the earliest childhood days, but there's rumors that I guess my parents took us to church when we were kids. Um, I don't actually have any memories of my mother and father together going to church. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was not quite nine years old, so, and most of my first memories of being involved in church um, were been around that time period, but I vividly recall a couple times where my mother would put me on the church bus and send me to church. I don't recall them ever attending with us. It would either be me and my cousin or something like that. So I'm assuming, you know, this is pre-10 years old. We'd go to Sunday school, and then we'd go in the actual sermon and fall asleep in the pew, (laughs) lay up against the pew, and catch the bus back home. Now, I assume, I have to assume my older brother went with us because you don't put a nine-year-old on a bus and send him to church. But I don't have any recollection of him being there. I just remember being sent to church. I don't remember my parents ever really going at that point. By age 11... My father, who I was living with, uh, had remarried. And he married a nice little church-going, choir-singing lady. And um, she started to get this back into regular church, get my dad back into it. Because before her, I don't remember him ever, you know, taking us. Um, I remember going with her, visiting local churches in the area to find a church. He, he didn't go with us, but we went and found it. We eventually found one, and we settled in there. And that became our church in our neighborhood for until I left home as a teen, a late teen. We were a typical Baptist family, heavily involved, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, uh, whenever youth group was. I played on the softball team and did all the typical stuff that you know kids do in those days. I also joined at the time what they called CWT, I guess it's continued witnessing training. It was a course where they teach you how to witness, and you got this big book, and you go through all the questions, and you learn all the witnessing tools, and then they take you out door-to-door knocking and witnessing the people and leading them on to salvation, uh, answering the questions and the skeptical things that they may have, and just trying to, you know, teach you to do that. So I was pretty young doing that. Um, So we were pretty involved. Um, We went to that church all up until I was 18 and left for the military, and then, about a year later, we came back, and my wife and I were married in that church, though i 'd been gone for a while my wife, my parents arranged it so we can get married there real quick. Um, after that, my wife and I started attending charismatic type churches, you know the holy roller stuff, so because we kind of felt like uh, the Baptists you know were kind of had didn 't give us the full picture you know didn 't give us all the excitement that you may have done um, our upbringing you know you just you kind of say well you know this is much more exciting but it wasn't very long before we realized we started seeing the cracks in the in the theology and stuff of that movement and so we ultimately returned back to a more baptistic foundational type church which we then were quickly led into more of a reformed baptist faith now <clears throat> the reason i tell this story is to point out that The one thing that I recall that was missing through all of my church life upbringing was the the emphasis on Scripture, the being exhorted to read more. All the witnessing, training, the flashcards, the memorization, the teaching, the lessons. And I have no recollection of them ever really stressing or exhorting us to just simply read the Scripture, to be familiar with the entire Word of God. It was not until we started studying the Reformed faith, this would have been in our early 20s, that we began taking the Bible very seriously. We started reading parts of the Bible often ignored in times past. Uh, We started reading deep theology from long since dead men from long ago. My eyes were opened to the scripture in a new manner, and my understandings of many systems of theology just exploded. Salvation itself took on a whole new life to me. And it was during this time, this was probably around 1990-ish, that the Bible became more real to me than in all my lessons and studying and training in previous years. It was at this time that I started reading and studying the Bible like never before. And it all makes sense, actually, when you join the Reformed faith, because considering the Reformation was started mainly with Luther saying the people need to have the Bible. And his goal was to get it out of the church leaders' hands and get it to the people. Beforehand, the church pretty much controlled it. It was only them that could read it and interpret it. They would only give you the lessons that they wanted you to hear and that kind of, you know gave them control over the people. But the Reformation sought to return it to the common people. For quite some time, the scriptures were read, memorized, cherished by the people. People learned the scriptures, they read it, they studied it, they knew it more and more. But over time, as tends to happen, the cherishing and reading of the word became a privilege that was taken for granted by most in the church. For various reasons, the average churchgoer was, has decided to leave the work of scripture and study up to those who we trained to do it so that now, for the most part, people have returned to letting the church be the interpretation of all things biblical, a reverse reformation of sorts where they give the scriptures back to the church leaders to interpret and, interp- to interpret and feed to them. So for those of us who break free from this mentality and begin to read our Bibles through their, in their entirety as often as possible, the benefits are quickly realized especially for those like me that have been raised in churches where reading was not a priority. I remember about 25 years ago, I did something that really changed my view of reading the Scripture in general. I thought I would try to read a book of the Bible as it it was originally presented, as a letter that had just arrived and was being read out loud to a congregation. I tried to put myself in the shoes of the first century hearers, essentially, so I still recall this day. Sitting in my car in front of my workplace during my lunch break, I read the book of Romans out loud to myself, imagining that I was sitting in the congregation, congregation hearing it as a letter that had just been received. I read it all out loud, and it changed not only the, the message of Romans for me, but the way I approached Scripture as a whole. I grasped the context much better. Favorite passages from the book now took on different meaning. And then when I saw them in their context, and then from that point on, context became very important to me, which of course changes your whole approach to reading. The same experience led me to later come up with the idea of creating what I called a reading Bible, a Bible where the verse and chapter breaks were removed, and it was just the reading of a single letter in paragraph form. And about 11 years ago, I started a project where I was hoping to take the Young's Literal Translation, take out all the numbers and make this reading Bible, but maybe shifting some of the words around. But I only got a small chunk of that done. I do recall around that same time, I remember uh, discussing my idea with David Carraway, who also had a similar idea, which he already explained to you, where he wanted to do something and updated Young's Literal, and of course, for 10 years, he's worked on it, and for 10 years, I have not worked on mine. So... <laughs> It was not a major priority. But um, it becomes hard when you start copying and pasting and taking numbers out. uh, It it takes more time than I had. Now, of course, daily reading is not going to always allow you to sit down and read the entire book of Romans out loud to yourself. That's not what we're talking about. I'm just explaining what kind of happened to me to change my mind on some of these things. But if you read it consistently, entirely, even slowly, it kind of gives you the same result. It will change your understanding in the way that, that reading a verse here and there is not going to do. Every year from this pulpit, and today colluded, of course, Dave stresses the importance of reading the scriptures in their entirety. Preferably once every year. So that's what we're here to do today. The benefit of such a plan, the benefits are many. He tells you that every year, go back and listen to messages, what all it can give you. The best one I like is when he says, you know, he talks to people and he's like, have you read the whole Bible? And they're like, well, no, well, then I'm talking about the parts you haven't read yet when you're in an argument with somebody. So I love that one. (laughs) Now, the biggest experience that I've had since reading it is, of course, a deeper grasp of the overall story of Scripture. When we read portions, we jump around. Not only are we reading things out of context, but we get only chunks of things, and they don't always seem to be connected as they should. When we read it through frequently, we start seeing the pieces click together. We start seeing the whole story unfold like never before. We see thoughts and terms used in the New Testament to correlate to things we just read in the Old Testament. No longer can we pit the old against the new, but we'll start to see connections and continuations between them. The language and meanings of things we find in the new become better connected and understood by the things we read in the old. That familiarity over time is what I consider to be one of the greatest benefits of reading, reading often, and reading entirely. Now let's talk about the tools that I use for reading the scriptures. For starters, when it comes to just simple daily reading, like many of you these days, I have become comfortable with using a Bible app. I've always been a book-in-hand type person, always wanting to have that physical feel of a book as I read it. Up until a few years ago, I used to bring my Young's Literal Big Bible here, sit here in the front row, and read through this, and make notes and everything in it, but it just becomes less practical to always have a big Bible with me when I wanted to read. Plus, the more I read, the more my thoughts and positions have changed, and the more my handwritten notes become no good. So, and it's hard to change them in your, hand, in your Bible, and you always want to go buy a new Bible and start over, and it doesn't work. So I went with technology, and that cured both issues. Now, over the years, I've used different apps for different things. Each has their benefit for various reasons. But when it comes to just simple daily reading, I've been using the YouVersion app for quite a few years. Now, I originally chose it because it was one of the only ones at that time that had the Bible version that I wanted for free. Nowadays, you can get them in a lot more. But I've stayed with it just because of comfort. I've been dealing with it for years, so I'm like, you know, I'm sure there's better ones out there now, but who knows? That's um, the one I'm comfortable with. I find it easy and less distracting if you just want something that you can read, not necessarily for Bible study. YouVersion has a built-in reading plans, just like the one we offer on the website. They have a bunch of built-in ones, which is nice. Um, many of them walk you through the Bible in a year. Others have short-term focus on various topics, take you through five or six weeks of reading certain things on topics. And even the yearly plans have different approaches. You can read it from Genesis to Revelation, you can read it chronologically, Um, and it has has plans just like we have on our website where you're reading a little from the old, a little from the new, a little from the wisdom books, things like that. So there's all kinds of choices you can have there, and it just, you know, the next day it takes you to the next verse, there's no having to keep track of it yourself. The other thing uh, it, it includes, of course, you can highlight text. You can write your own personal private notes on there. You can even add public notes that then other people who come in and click on the public note thing, they can see your notes. That's a good way to indoctrinate other people by like, putting your views in there. It also has a cool function where you can compare, sort of like what he showed you on there. You can go to a verse and hit compare and it pulls up all the di- a bunch of different versions and you can read it right there. So, you know, I, I, it's it's really got a lot of power, but it doesn't have a lot of the uh, things that will take you away from your daily reading, per se. It also has sort of an operation, sort of like social media, if we're all familiar with, like, Facebook and Instagram and stuff. You've got friends, and all the stuff that they post is in your feed. Well, you make friends on here. You can connect with other people that are have that same Bible app. And then when you go to the homepage each day, you can see their progress. You can see their what they've said. You can see... You can comment, you can you know, put a little heart on it, make comment. so you can interact with people. It could also be a good tool for keeping people accountable. If you have a friend, you know, hey, you all watch each other's feed. Did you read today? No, I didn't, you know, so that, that can help too. But for the most part, you just kind of can encourage people and see what other people are doing from day to day. And it's kind of a neat little thing to have in there. Another feature that I enjoy is not only can you just highlight the text, but you can then highlight it and share it to social media. So a verse really touches you, you click it, you can just push it to your Facebook page. You can push it to your Facebook page as a regular text. Or you can go through a couple extra steps and create a nice little beautiful meme out of it, you know, boom, shoot it to Facebook, Instagram, whatever. So, you know, you can have that little feature if you just want to kind of share what, you know, has touched you. Overall, it's just a good, simple app for keeping up with your plan to read, offering tools like highlighting and notes and sharing, but Without the study tools that may distract you from reading, and throw you into a studying mode instead, my only negative review of the Uversion app is that it treats each Bible translation as a separate book, which is probably reasonable, but not preferred to what I would like to see it happen. As a tool for Bible reading, I think it should be improved. Could be improved by allowing my notes and my highlights, and things that have been saved from one verse in this translation, to be used in across all the other platforms and other books. For instance, each year, say I want to read a different Bible version to kind of get you know a different take on it from year to year. So I read through one in one year, and I highlight things, and I make notes, and I do things and create cross-references and just little notes that I have. Well, the next year I decide to read another Bible, and all that's gone. It doesn't bring it over, so those, those things are not highlighted. I think it would be neat if they were to somehow make it so that it was on a verse-to-verse basis. This verse is connected all the way across all those other translations. Instead of saying this translation is different from that translation. So, but that's just a pet peeve. It's just a feature that I'd like to see. Overall, I don't think Uversion has really many other complaints. It's just a good, simple way to read it, read your Bible each day. Now, the focus here is to encourage you all to read, read often, and read entirely. Now, when it comes to Bible study, that's a whole different issue. I won't dwell much on that. David's given you some pointers there. I use eSword also. But there have been some free apps that I've used over the years that can also take you a little further. Some of the apps like Cadre Bible, Faith Life Study Bible from Lexham, Takarta, the Blue Letter Bible. These type of things have free tools. Some require buying extra tools. um, But they offer more studying capabilities. They they have, you know... uh, commentaries, original languages, notes and writings from various teachers, cross-references, and other functions that, you know, would be helpful when you're actually sitting down to do more of a study aspect. Um, And those have been some of my go-to tools. There's so many that pop up, there's no telling what other ones are out there now. But for this purpose today, we're just encouraging everyone to find the best way to get a plan, stick to a plan, and let that, you know, keep you reading God's Word. Uh, We suggest you read it once a year. And I would think that the easiest way to do this is to choose and follow a plan that is easy and consistent for you to adhere to with a simple app, simple program. And that is what you need to succeed, is to keep it simple and succeed in your daily reading. That's it. Well, get a plan.
1: you got a couple days now to think about what plan you're going to use so you can start on the first, okay? First is... Tuesday so think about it today um like I said if you have a plan you got a lot better chance of working it okay and this goes for every one of us you know from young kids you know the Jews all they did for the first 12 years was memorize the Torah just memorize it they got so familiar with it they knew it and that's the place to start you know before we start digging in and trying to learn everything is just get familiar with it you'll learn so much Every year I read, I try to read a different translation every year, just to make it different. And Like Jeff says, you know, I got none of my notes, none of my highlights, none of my stuff's in there anymore. But my phone is set up, so if I turn it sideways, I get two translations, and the one I have highlighted is in the other window, so I can compare and see where I, you know, so it's good. Uh, Yeah, we, we have so many resources today, there's just really no good excuse you know, to not spend time in the Word of God. Like I said, it's the mind of God revealed. It's how we get to know our God. It's how we get to commune with Him, understand Him, is through His revelation of Himself. So just encourage you to get a plan and work a plan. All right, anybody got any questions before we close with a song? John. I
0: agree with everything that's been said today. Um, what did they do? The first 400 years after
1: Christ, what did the church do like this? Okay, John's question, what did the church do for the first 400 years about this? Well, they had had their Old Testament scriptures. They had the Tanakh, and so they could study through that, and then they had fragments. You know, they just had a piece of this or a piece of that or a letter from this, and uh, until it was all put together, they didn't have the whole picture, you know? um and that's why you know we have such an advantage today you know like i said and there's there's plenty of countries today that don't have the bible you know i've heard stories of people in other countries where they have a couple pages and they get together and they share those pages with other people who have other pages you know or they work hard at memorizing things and then they get together and they share what they memorize with each other you know which i've often thought about that i thought of if all our bibles were taken away and all we had was in the memory. How much could we put together?